Hey, welcome to Grubstakers, a new podcast about billionaires. I'm Sean McCarthy. I'm joined by my friend. I'm Yogi Bollywall. I'm Andy Palmer. I'm Steve Jeffries. Uh, and yeah, as we mentioned, this will be a new podcast about billionaires. Based we don't like them. Yeah. It's based we're around, not fans. It's based around the hypothesis that we are aiming to test. We're using the scientific method. So, you know, Reddit's going to like this because we're going to test the idea <laughs> that billionaires are bad. And we're going to do that by examining every billionaire and seeing if we can find a good one. That's right. And we'll also get inspired by their entrepreneurial ethics, their go-getter <laughs> attitude, and their uh, need to succeed and their happenstance which is being born white or rich (laughs) (laughs) i think the central question of this podcast is who is john galt that's right that's right uh, and we're going to answer that turns out he has slaves (laughs) because of my success in the private sector i had the chance to run america's largest city for 12 years I taught those kids lessons on product development and marketing, and they taught me what it was like growing up feeling targeted for your race. And that's just, that's just not true. You know, I love having the support of real billionaires. Um... But, uh, and I think we should talk about a bit, a bit about why each of us don't believe there is any such thing as a good billionaire. And I would say for myself, as we've kind of uh, uh, hinted at here, in order to amass the, uh, a billion dollars, you either have to have uh, some starting amount of capital that was acquired unethically, or you have to do some ethic- unethical things to do that. And just the simple fact of owning a billion dollars, which is more than any one human being could spend in a lifetime, you are actually taking dollars out of the mouths of hungry babies. You know, there's 40 million people uh, living below the poverty line, uh, 40-some million people in food insecurity in the United States. You know, so why do you, this individual, need all that money? What Sean is saying is that you're synergizing and uh, (laughs) innovating to create a better society. Uh, Oh, and uh, if you're wondering what grubstakers means, it is a Gilded Age term for someone who would give a prospector money to send him off to the Great Frontier uh, to go look for gold, and in exchange for giving them money, they would automatically get a share of the profits from that prospector, which is essentially a very uh, concise explanation of what a capitalist is. Uh, basically, someone who uh, has money already spends some of it, doesn't do shit, and then gets more money in return. Now, Andy, I think you're being unfair because they earned that money that they gave to the prospectors <laughs> through the sale of cotton to England that they picked themselves. <laughs> Never, never mind how they first got the pile of money. Of course, oh, yeah, no. We no, should it's... never talk about where the money originally came from. We have to start that this is all natural and this all appeared yes. and yes. private property rights are uh, natural. And uh, at no point was there any sort of commons between <laughs> all human beings. Hey, Jeffries, would you kill a baby for a billion dollars? <laughs> no. I think I would. I think I would kill a baby. I think for a billion dollars. Yeah, it would probably be something where you would do it and then like justify to yourself, like you know that baby was probably. Gonna I be wouldn't Hitler. even. I wouldn't yeah. even justify it. I'd be like, uh, I'm sorry, a billion dollars uh, doesn't hear your fucking pleas. <laughs> you like you kill the baby and then you donate like half of it to the pro life movement. Yeah. Or guilt. <laughs> You're like, I'm not gonna let any more babies be killed. I don't know. I don't think I could kill it. But if it was like choking and I had to save it, but if I didn't save it, I'd get a billion. I think I could live with that. <laughs> like you kill I one baby. I perform an abortion for a billion dollars. Exactly. <laughs> you, you kill one baby. Un- untrained. <laughs> I'd, I'd wing an abortion. Third, third trimester abortion for, <laughs> yeah. for a billion. But like what if you kill the baby, then you talk 30 people out of getting an abortion. And then that's like a net positive. And you have a billion dollars. So we're all set. Well, a billion dollars is a billion dollars. That's a positive yeah. I need. Well, anyway, so on this week, we're going to start by talking about Jeff Bezos, who is the richest man on earth. But uh, before we get there, does anyone else want to kind of comment on their particular thoughts on billionaires, on uh, what they're looking forward to exploring with this podcast, these kinds of things? I find them inspiring. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I take like a slightly different view and say like we should I'm looking forward to spending a lot of time on how we actually don't need billionaires and their money in order to finance things that everyone needs. Right. And so there's a lot of artificial artificial scarcity created in the economy, like uh, unemployment. Is it really a necessity? 
these customers. So there need to be several thousand negative errors yeah. in order mm-hmm. for there to be one billionaire. I, I think I think if innovation isn't rewarded, then we won't get any more Nintendo Switches. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I really uh, I really disagree with Steven. I'm taking a different stance on this. I'm do, looking at the research like inspiration. I really uh, I really think that I'm going to become a billionaire outside of this podcast, and uh, that's why I'm a part of this group, guys. Well, it's better to discuss, you know, billionaires so you can learn how to be one. Yeah, yeah. That's if if you don't agree with us politically, at least listen to learn how to become a billionaire. Because I think at the end of the day, everyone could benefit from learning how to cheat the system <laughs> and bend arms to get what you want out of life. Isn't that right, guys? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, uh, just to pick up on what Steven said, I fully believe that if you killed every billionaire on the planet tomorrow, nothing would change. Like it's it's very much not that I'm advocating that. Uh, I think you that, are. <laughs> and that's just, that's just not true. <laughs> it's sort of like how Amazon fired all those workers trying to unionize, and then said they didn't fire them because of unionization. Right. Today we're talking so, about Jeff Bezos, by the way. <laughs> but the point is, uh, billionaires are not necessary for the system in in any way, and a lot of our public dialogue is based around convincing people that they are, and it's uh, it's it's an illusion. They they're totally not. And, uh, yeah, I think that just about leaves us ready to start our investigation of one Mr. Jeffrey Bezos. Jeff Bezos. Yeah, today we, we, we're starting our billionaire podcast with the most billionaire. The white whale. The white the whale. The Moby Dick. And, uh, you know, I think uh, hopefully uh, hopefully when this comes out, uh, Jeff Bezos doesn't try to embarrass us by uh, releasing the tapes of me trying to get Alexa to say the N-word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do like to imagine like uh, Jeff Bezos like sits in his mansion and uh, he has like the master Alexa yeah, where he can like listen in to all the other Alexas. So he just starts his morning like Alexa. Let's hear what's going on in 179 Grove Street, apartment 3F. Uh, no, no, wait, uh, 3E. I, I, I want to pick up on that relationship. <laughs> that is Sean's actual address, by the way. I just want the <laughs> listeners to know. I'm not very creative, so I just had to use where I actually live. <laughs> Not very good at the original thinking part of a podcast. Wait, Sean, we actually live at Sick. Grow up, suck it in. Yeah, okay, so you're just making Yogi beep our address now. Uh, you're gonna, you, you each owe me $100 if you want me to do that. Now you know how I'll make my billions. Um, but Jeff Bezos is very interesting. He uh, His uh, childhood, he was born in Texas or Florida? Where did I... He was born in New Mexico, actually. He moved around a lot. But uh, just to give you the headline numbers, according to Forbes, as of uh, February 2018, Bezos is worth $118.8 billion. Bloombergism is $120 billion. He's the richest person on Earth and uh, arguably the richest person in history, though inflation adjusted. There was a point in 99 where Bill Gates had more money. Right. But he and is, also inflation adjusted. Uh, what was it? Rockefeller had probably the equivalent of $300 billion. He had a bigger share of the U.S. economy. Right. Rockefeller did. And then, you know, when people want to get, like, really pedantic and assholey, they'd be like, well, Julius Caesar had total control of the Roman economy, which controlled, like, half of Europe. And Well, first of all, it was Crassus who had the most money then. <laughs> I read something that William the Conqueror was worth a trillion dollars. Nice. <laughs> so... These are just like descendants of William the Conqueror <laughs> trying to feel important. Actually, yeah. there's these Neanderthals I know about, and they owned all the rocks. So I think they're actually the main group. Well, Genghis Khan controlled life and death for millions, <laughs> which you really, when you put an economic value on that based on the value of That's the right. human life, That's he right. was a multi-trillionaire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, Bezos, worth about $120 billion, uh, likely to be the richest person of all time. And uh, as we mentioned... Um, he was born uh, in New Mexico. His uh, uh, mother... Uh, his, there's not a lot of information about Bezos' biological father. His adopted father uh, was a refugee from Cuba who later went on to become a petroleum engineer at ExxonMobil. Um, his mother had gave birth to him at uh, 17 years old in 1964. Um, his family on his maternal side uh, were... Settlers in Texas, uh, who are very large Texas landowners, I believe they had like a 25,000-acre ranch. Mm -hmm. Even today, he's one of the largest landowners in Texas. And the point of all this is he grew up in pretty relative material comfort with his uh, Exxon global warming 
money. <laughs> yeah, there's this uh, talk between him and his brother Stephen Bezos that's like an hour long, and it is no relation to our Stephen. <laughs> uh, a very very difficult watch to get through it, but uh, they talk about uh, their grandfather, who they lovingly called Pop. And uh, what an upstanding man this guy was. And this guy worked at... Um, You're telling me it's difficult to watch two billionaires masturbate on stage? Well, it's it's one earned billionaire Literally, and no, one inherited billionaire. Um, but uh, their grandfather worked at the Sandia National Laboratories. And uh, right. I'm pretty sure that is where we did some sort of nuclear development. Uh, from the research I found, like they did work on Sputnik and stuff. And basically... His grandfather is certainly somewhat connected to the nukes that this country has produced, and between the landmass, I think Sean deduced that, like, at one point their family might have owned slaves in Texas. Right. Well, they were settlers in Texas, which, of course, was a slave state, and kind of infamously uh, took two additional years to implement the Emancipation Proclamation. (laughs) Right, right. So, uh, after the Civil War. Whether it's slavery or nukes, in one way or another, Amazon's been ruining the world since all of us, before all of us were born. Um... Yeah. I don't know why he said that, guys. Well, anyways, <laughs> but yeah, like as Yogi mentioned, his uh, grandfather on his mother's side worked at DARPA, which of course was famous for inventing the internet, basically. So that's what uh, the kind of dick sucky biographies you'll read of so, Bezos. I mean, they're responsible for just uh, untold human suffering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but think about the memes, Stephen. <laughs> they, they, they. We're responsible for probably, like, for a a well-off family, like, about an average amount of human suffering. And I think that Jeff Bezos, from a young age, looked at that and said, I can do so much better. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty hard to top the internet. He was, uh, so as a youth, he was, like, seriously interested in uh, space exploration, and he he shares that with Elon Musk. He has since founded a private space exploration company. Blue uh, Origin or something. Yeah. Yeah. But um, and his, he when he was valedictorian, he gave like a speech which was mostly about space travel, mm-hmm. and he ended it with the phrase. Uh, they talk about this hour long thing. He goes, uh, uh, "Space is the final frontier. Meet me there." That's how he ended it. And, uh, uh, and then he said, uh, "Unless you had a miscarriage, in which my case, my company will fire you." <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is more like, on that later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, he's also a big Star Trek fan, which I always find ironic that like uh, this guy uh, likes uh, a utopian socialist space exploring society that would have no place for a fucking vulture like him. <laughs> um, well, I mean, he liked the Frankie episodes. He's <laughs> <laughs> um, a fan of Quark's Bar. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so Bezos' biography, as we mentioned, father, petroleum engineer, maternal side, Texas landowners, uh, grew up in relative um, comfort, uh, graduated Princeton, Phi Beta Kappa in 1986 uh, with a BS in computer science and electrical engineering, where he went on to work at Wall Street for a bit uh, in Can the 80s. Can we go 80s. back to Star Trek for a second? Sure. You know how there's like this Cold War analogy where it's like the Klingons versus the Federation? Mm-hmm. You think the Klingons are the capitalists because the Federate and the Federation's the Soviets? Because <laughs> the Federation is post-capitalist. That's true. But we don't know post-scarcity. much about the Klingons. Yeah, post-scarcity. Like the Soviet Union. <laughs> anyway, back to, uh, back to Jeff Bezos. <laughs> He's got uh, two siblings, one brother, Stephen, and then a sister, Christina. And uh, Stephen, like, did a TED Talk about, like, being nice to people. I don't know. He seems like a real cuck. Anyway, um, uh, but uh, his sister, though, you can't really find any information about her, which is just strange. Because in this day and age, with how exposed and vulnerable we all are digitally, the fact that a billionaire sibling has zero information about her on the Internet... That's 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 bizarre. Yeah. yeah, I'm guessing she probably went down the path of that Kennedy daughter that got lobotomized, <laughs> <laughs> and they're just hiding her in a sanitarium somewhere away from the public eye. Andy, you're so bright today. <laughs> I just feel like when you have enough money, you can probably like hire lawyers to take down blog posts about you. Just have like a really official letterhead sent to uh, some PO box somewhere. I don't know. Um. But- where are we at in his life story, though? So he well, so he graduated Princeton. I did want to just random fact about him. His high school girlfriend. She tells a story about he sent her on like an elaborate scavenger hunt mm-hmm. uh, for her birthday and stuff. 
uh, you know, so that was supposed to be like a, a charming story about what a like entrepreneur he is. Uh, but anyways, uh, the the interesting point about her is she uh, since went on to work in the U.S. Uh, antitrust law enforcement division. <laughs> wow, his first high school girlfriend, and it's like, oh, I wonder why she can't find any case to investigate related to Amazon.com. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he graduated Princeton. He went on to work on Wall Street and various kind Every of... Every time she tries to investigate one, he sends her on a scavenger hunt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go into my warehouse. Find all the boxes with prime numbers, shipping to prime addresses, and you will find the solution to your problems. She just like steps over like seven dead bodies that have like died of heat exhaustion in the warehouses. Hmm, no corruption here. You can't find those prime, prime, prime it's boxes. Like, and as soon as you get to the first uh, here's a stack of cash <laughs> go away um but yeah so he worked in uh wall street uh for a bit in various kind of computer uh science uh fields um interesting fact he was actually his wife's boss his future right. wife's boss. That's right he interviewed her right he was the vice president i think his last job before he founded amazon was he was the vice president at uh, d.e shaw a financial firm in New York, um, yeah. When he he hired his wife and uh, then started dating her, and like in conversations no about conflict her, of interest. he was just kind of like, "Well, I mean, you know, I knew she was smart because I read her resume." <laughs> like it's like you know he got the like cliff notes on the person he was about to date. It kind of weirdly is like online dating showing up at your work. It's like, well, this is everything you've done, and I'm looking at you, and you do look fuckable. I yeah. think I'm going to make this work. That is like the most weird nerd move yeah. to just like read someone's resume and be like, mm, I should make babies with this person. He talks about uh, when it comes to his wife that he wanted a woman that could get him out a third world country prison. That's the type of woman he wanted. And um, <laughs> she, he wants a woman who can get him out of the third world country he's creating in America. <laughs> you know what I'm hearing is a bunch of a bunch of cucks that don't go trolling for puss on uh, That's LinkedIn. Right. That's, right. That's right. Um, you know, I'll give him credit for... Uh, I'll give him credit for two things. Still being married to the same woman and uh, not allowing any public information of affairs to come out. So, well, Sean, you, good know, job, you know why that's that's happening, right? Why is that? Obviously, because he eats the butt. You can't maintain a relationship <laughs> post two decades without eating that butt. He also, in that hour-long talk, has this quote about his wife. Uh, Andy, would you play this quote that I gave you? Uh, yes, I will. All right, so we're just going to edit out Andy looking. Sean, shut the it. fuck up now. And my wife... Uh, much to her credit, she has this great say. She says, I would much rather have a kid with nine fingers than a resourceless kid. Um, and which I just think is a fantastic attitude about life. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so, uh, but you know, forget the uh, 10% of Amazon warehouse workers on food stamps. <laughs> well, they, that, they don't have kids. Well, that's just one out of 10 being maimed, and that's okay for the greater good. You know, yeah, I the, think that's. Well, the, those food stamps are resources, and I'm sure quite a few of them can't count to 10 on their fingers <laughs> from factory accidents. <laughs> Um, a, a random note His uh, wife uh, is uh, Mackenzie Bezos And she is a novelist And uh, do, do you guys want to know How you make your living as a novelist? Oh, how's that? Uh, you marry the richest man In the history <laughs> of the world <laughs> But um, so yeah uh, Bezos uh, worked uh, at D.E. Shaw And he of course left his uh, lucrative hedge fund uh, And founded Amazon.com in 1994 um, In which his parents invested $300,000 Oh really? As, uh, yeah, a small, small loan. Small loan. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, three thousand. Just a small loan from his parents to, and just his uh, his inner he resourcefulness. Came, he came to Seattle with a dream and three hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> just hey, the three hundred thousand hey, dollars on, on, on his back, guys. Come on, come on. You know he had a house in Bellevue. Okay, that's not a that's not a that's a cheap city. Okay, that's you know that's some mean streets out there, right? <laughs> Yogi grew up in Bellevue up for in the Bellevue. listeners. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we all we all uh, for, the, in... for the reference if you're listening, like we all come from the Seattle area. Yeah, and uh, one of the one of the more surreal things is that in the last probably four five years, like when we we live in New York now, but when we left Seattle, there wasn't a lot of like Amazon presence there, even though it was started there. And in the last four years, the city has it seems completely transformed from everything we've heard from people that be, as Amazon like exploded its uh housing prices have gone through the roof um local bands write songs about basically like douchebags ruining the nightlife and mm -hmm. 
in Seattle. So, you, t- so you might hat. say uh, Amazon has disrupted the housing market. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. um, and now they also have a, a giant indoor playground that's shaped like glass testicles right next to the Space Needle. Well, the, those huge Amazon buildings are designed so no one ever has to leave. Yeah, yeah. Sort of like the warehouse. Oh, really? But for corporate. <laughs> and so, like, they've, they've, uh, yeah, I mean, they've created, like, a third-world prison within a first-world. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Just so major his, American his wife can get him out of those. That's really what he's doing there, yeah. yeah. Random yeah. digression. Yesterday, I ordered a Howard Zinn book off Amazon Prime, and I kind of hope the uh, picker who has 30 seconds to find that book appreciates the irony <laughs> <laughs> of me ordering this critique of capitalism while he is trapped in the teeth yeah. of late-stage capitalism. Well, I mean, we... We might not even be able to have a pod on this and have it like touch on these controversial issues of Amazon if it didn't actually work as like a really successful product. Oh yeah. So like I mean I use Amazon a ton. Yeah, I think we're was... all Prime members, aren't we? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. According to we're all complicit. Even though in this. Sean and Andy live in the same building, they're yeah. both they you have know two what? separate accounts. If one thing happens from this podcast, one of us should cancel our <laughs> Prime account. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, the uh, Institute for Local Self-Reliance estimates half of American households have an Amazon Prime account. What? Yep. Um, That's fucking nuts. I know. Uh, but anyways. Half? What? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Wow. Uh, but uh, so the story of Amazon's founding, um, uh, Bezos, and you know, uh, to his credit, he's a smart guy. We're not arguing that. Uh, we're just saying he doesn't deserve to have $120 billion. But uh, he essentially, he realized that there was clearly a growing opportunity with e-commerce, and he had a couple different ideas for what he wanted to sell through the internet. And he settled on books, um, because the web was still in its early stage then, and books are, you know, um, very easy to transport, um, and there's not a lot of quality difference between the picture and the actual thing, usually. And so, you know, some other e-commerce startups failed because the internet was not at that time at the... uh, technological capacity to deliver you know all the things it does today so he recognized books early and uh, the market rewarded him for his genius books have a good shelf life nice right and so he based amazon in seattle because it had a big pool of software engineers and was uh less than 400 miles from uh roseburg oregon which was home to the largest book uh, distribution warehouse in the country uh, and this uh, i'm quoting from cora there um but yeah and then it kept growing and growing, and it never stopped. There's a uh, some guy wrote so, some book about uh, Bezos, and uh, his wife uh, didn't like it. And the way she responded was by leaving a thousand word one star review on Amazon. I thought that that was really interesting. Oh, that's amazing! She used the service <laughs> her husband created to critique a book about her husband about the company he created. Well, that wasn't bad of her. Uh, All right, so we have sort of the founding of Amazon. Now, let's right, right. the the founder now has over a hundred billion dollars. One hundred twenty. One hundred twenty billion dollars. Let's take a couple steps down to the people who work under him. Right. Well, in so, corporate. Yeah, and Bezos uh, had his own very customer obsessed uh, vision of how he wanted to manage a company, and it's kind of an interesting division because in Amazon it employs a. Uh, as of um, quarter seven, two thousand or quarter four, two thousand seventeen, it employs five hundred sixty-six thousand people worldwide. Hard to find uh, the breakdown of how many of those are part-time or full-time, but the point is five hundred sixty-six thousand employees. Vast, vast majority of those are low-paid warehouse employees. However, there are corporate employees in Amazon. Um, I think as of two thousand fifteen, Seattle Times estimates that's about thirty-five thousand six hundred fifty-eight. It's probably more like forty to sixty k now. Uh, these corporate uh, white-collar employees, you know, they make a medium in- median income of 90K. Um, so that's not a bad job, even if you're work to the bone. But I think what's interesting about Amazon is you learn how that work to the bone, burn these people out. Uh, they also, at the corporate office, have a median uh, turnover rate of one year. You know, the median employee leaves after one year. And that filters all the way down now to their warehouses and to Whole Foods. Um so I guess uh, not to dominate the conversation, but there was a couple years ago a semi-viral New York Times story about the uh, the corporate culture that uh, we could discuss briefly. 
And uh, just basically, uh, at corporate Amazon, workers are sort of encouraged to snitch on each other through the what's called the Anytime Feedback Tool, where any employee... So can... they have like a built-in snitching tool. Exactly. Um, because, and, and the entire structure incentivizes it, because every year, Amazon uh, purges the lowest performing employees. Mm -hmm. So um, the Anytime Feedback Tool allows you to snitch on any employee to their manager, even if you don't work in their division or right. whatever. Um, and, so, and people talk about like how like they would take like a week off because their dad was dying of cancer. Oh, or, like, yeah. there's, have, yeah. there's so many stories. There's a lot of stories of cancer and miscarriages being met with pink slips. Yeah. As they should be. <laughs> <laughs> He's disrupting the cancer or treatment having, industry. Amazon, a Amazon child. focuses okay. on success. And if you can't carry that baby to term, <laughs> you don't. You're not Amazon material. That's true. Amazon is like, uh, they like people who make it all the trimesters and <laughs> <They laughs> not give up after the second. <laughs> right, uh, right, right. But e even those corporate workers who make, you know, 90K, which is at more than adequate anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, if you are just literally at work the whole time. Oh, yeah. I mean, even, they have, even that would be, you know, it's, I mean, it's like. Hectic. Yeah. Whether it's, or not you work at a, a warehouse or not. Right. Well, it's like sometimes you'll get like these bootlickers or whatever who are like, oh, I don't mind, you know, putting in the extra hours or whatever. And it's like, that's great. But, you know, there are human beings out there. In fact, I would argue the majority who believe there should be a life outside of work and then death. Um, but anyways. Uh, and yeah, just right, like. Right. Basically, you're putting your life into a product where unless you have like a significant stake in the company itself. You have no ownership over what you've created. Like there was kind of the pride of creating it, but at the end of you know spending ten years of your life helping move boxes around, if that's all you have from your life, like you can't build anything outside of life. You can't maintain relationships with an eighty-hour work week. Obviously, like that's all you have to show for it. Right. And you right. don't even hearing own it. hearing a lot of jealousy of success right now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just quoting from that New York Times story, uh, emails arrive past midnight, followed by text messages asking why they were not answered. Um, lots of 85 hour work weeks. Um, and, uh, and if I can just do another thing is like a big thing with Amazon is data. You know, they collect a lot of data on customers, but also a lot of data on their employees. And at every level of the corporate, uh, world, again, from these well-paying white collar jobs all the way down to the warehouse jobs, which we'll get to in a minute, they track all sorts of things about employee behavior, length of bathroom breaks, these kinds of things. Uh, just quoting from the uh, New York Times story, the data system, quote, can also tell when engineers are not building pages that load quickly enough or when a vendor manager does not have enough gardening gloves in stock. And all these things go on there, you know, reports, which, of course, as we mentioned, there is an annual paring down as well as weekly or monthly uh, evaluation meetings. Um, you know, sometimes they'll receive... Uh, from the New York Times story, uh, 50 or 60 page long printouts evaluating their performance, which they are expected to like memorize and answer <laughs> pop quiz questions about. And they go through every single one of the cross tabs, like <laughs> time spent crying, <laughs> um, <laughs> urinated pants, uh, business but, reviews. Yes, but they use emojis for all of these things. So instead yeah, of writing out just write your employee by emoji. Yeah, yeah. right, right. So it makes it a fun offer. And most of them are just the, th the I'm thinking emoji. <laughs> One more fun thing from the New York Times story. Uh, a woman who had breast cancer was told she was put on a, quote, performance improvement plan, Amazon quote for uh, Amazon code for you're in danger of being fired because of difficulties in her personal life that had interfered with her work goals. And, uh, yeah, breast cancer, one of those difficulties in the personal life. You know, it's uh, one of those things where Amazon has been known for improving, you know, their algorithm or their data, and that's why they've been so successful as a company. But the other thing that they kind of do all, uh, most of the time is they'll just buy the rival competitor. Oh, yeah. Like, like uh, there's a list of uh, 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 companies that they bought, the most known, uh, you know, like places like DP Review they bought, Box Office Mojo, uh, like 
companies that would rival Kindle, a whole bunch of like diapers.com website. Yeah. Basically, anything that you don't know about anymore. Diapers.com for use by their warehouse employees <laughs> so they can soil themselves but while I they're mean, working. I mean, like anything that you could use to buy stuff online, they bought out as a small company and then put it within Amazon so that we, you would we, you, they monopolize ordering stuff online. Right. Yeah. And they did that by buying other companies that claim to do it. And then there's like an article posted about how they like bought a company that was basically Facebook in like 2000 or 99, but then they just kind of scrubbed it because of its implications on the ordering world. And then Facebook came out a handful of years later and became one of the biggest players on the internet. Hmm. So as much as you could talk about the things that they supposedly do well, they've really halted a lot of other companies' progress in society, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's a classic, I mean, the straight from the rule book of horizontal integration from like the old industrial capitalists in like 20 and 30s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, they they want, go into that. They want to control every uh, aspect of the supply chain, right? Well, they like in Amazon's case, they actually are now competing with people that use their own services, <laughs> like the AWS or where. The, oh, really? Yeah. So, like, people that use Amazon Web Services mm-hmm. are some of their big competitors in some cases. Those are like the third-party sellers on Amazon, or is oh that wait the... AWS? So that's like a that's a hosting. Yeah, like uh, a d- big data warehouse hosting. slash. Oh, is that their cloud, cloud? thing? Yeah, yeah, that's their cloud you, thing. I mean, Sorry. Andy would probably know more about this. Uh, well, I just know because. Uh, my like we we interact with that at my job or i work for a website and so we use amazon hosting tell the listeners where you work andy by the way andy said the n-word this morning (laughs) (laughs) repeatedly to an alexa i just said n-word n-words in paris to get sean's alexa to say the n-word come on let's move on Andy, Everyone knows you yell the N-word. Move Andy, on, Andy, one of the Amazon workplace principles is that leaders are vocally self-critical. <laughs> so I think you're going to need to self-crit now yeah, come on, for Andy. saying the N-word. <laughs> All right, so what's this website you're talking about? Uh, oh, AWS. it's uh, yeah, Amazon Web Hosting Services. Yeah, I, am Amazon Web Services. I just know it because it's like, oh, we're like we're just using Amazon in day-to-day office work. Yeah, it's ubiquitous. It's for like small web developers. It's everywhere. Yeah, but also yeah. for some like, I have to look it up. But like, I was reading an article that said like they're so now they their competitors are having to use Amazon services. Oh, because they're and, the most as well efficient. as them, yeah, as well as them just, monopoly. As well as just buying up their competitors, which right. is right, right, right. Classic horizontal. I imagine, yeah, if yeah. you try to make something that's competitive with Amazon on mm-hmm. Amazon Web Services, I mean. It, I don't know what the legality of that is, especially with the whole net neutrality There's, like, getting crushed. There's any number but, like, of ways you could exploit. Yeah, could that they? Basic need could they undermine the their like their competitors on Amazon Web Services? They would never. <laughs> that would be unethical. <laughs> I mean, it's like yeah, yes, just, to, yes, just as yes, the yes, example the of their control over yeah, multiple yeah, inter- have, industries. Yeah. That's I mean, nuts. there's so many different antitrust laws that they could very easily be shown to violating. It's just we have a government since particularly the 80s that is not interested in enforcing antitrust anymore. But um, And whose fault is that, Sean? Ronald Reagan. That's right. <laughs> I mean, the antitrust people are very busy with some fun scavenger hunts. <laughs> antitrust uh, was the name of Rihanna's album, but she just changed it to anti. Let's move on, guys. Let's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but so anyways, as, as we've kind of talked about a bit, there's a, a very grueling um, system uh, for Amazon corporate white collar workers. But, you know, people might make the argument, oh, they signed up for that. They're making a lot of money, you know, this kind of stuff. But as in the vast, vast majority of Amazon's employees are in their warehouses or service centers, as they're euphemistically called, or now, you know, another 87,000 work in Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. And these people are now being subjected to these same kinds of pop quizzes and performance evaluations and everything else while they're making, you know, $12 an hour in a very precarious situation. Yeah, so Amazon likes to kind of position itself as being one of the, you know, they're in Seattle, so they're not technically Silicon Valley, but being one of those, you know, tech innovators. And that's how they very much position themselves in the public eye. But the workforce, uh, Sean and I were looking up this morning, their total workforce is something like 500 and. 66,000 globally globally i'm coming up with 32.33 uh repeating of course and their tech workforce which is essentially managers programmers uh 
We talked about this administrative. Earlier. Oh yeah, it's 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 functionally closer like to 40, 40,000, 40, which means that five hundred and twenty thousand people are probably for the most part in uh, product distribution, mm-hmm. such as functionally in the warehouses. That's the bulk of Amazon because instead of just you know moving bits around, they're moving products around. With that comes sort of the the real dirt on Amazon is basically their warehouses. It's almost become a kind of a cliche in media to talk about how much of a hellhole Amazon <laughs> warehouses are. Uh, but just the kind of the, well, doing research for this, the just the sheer volume of stories about how terrible it is to work in an Amazon warehouse. It's kind of overwhelming, really. Yeah, yeah. You like you, you can, need a warehouse to house the amount of complaints. <laughs> yeah, of working in a warehouse. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so they're, they're spread out all over the country. Like part of Amazon blowing up recently is, you know, they just kept building warehouses everywhere uh, in the United States. Globally, they're in Italy, they're in Germany. And... And Why did you which only we'll, mention which we'll get to, which we'll talk about in a minute, because uh, uh, it's uh, there's a real man on the high castle uh, situation there, to quote an Amazon or to to name drop an Amazon Prime series fe- series. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I wonder where, I wonder where they got the inspiration for Man in the High Castle. <laughs> so there was there was interestingly like this is seen by many local politicians as like a big boon in local economies. Like it's mm-hmm. believed they, uh, there have apparently been over a billion dollars in subsidies, about a billion, $200 million in like state and local subsidies for Amazon. I believe that from, comes from an estimate from the economic policy. Yeah. It, it comes, it comes from, uh, yeah. Uh, it's good jobs first. Their uh, subsidy tracker. Right, right. That's where I got it. It's yeah. A, just we'll, in the U S right. Just in the U S we'll put it on our Tumblr. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And essentially, Essentially, it's um, another the e- actually. So there was a, a billion dollars in subsidies, but then the Economic Policy Institute then also did a study uh, following up on that, using that, and they found out that Amazon warehouses actually don't create local jobs. Essentially, what will happen is it's kind of the Walmart effect, where Amazon will build all of these facilities and hire a bunch of people, and they haven't been able to prove the end result of this, but they found out that basically everyone that's hired is kind of offset by jobs that are lost at brick and mortar stores. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately Amazon's just getting free money for not necessarily creating new jobs, but just displacing jobs. If I could just quote a sentence from the EPI, they say, quote, two years after an Amazon fulfillment center opens in a County overall private sector employment in the County has not increased. Yeah. Um, But in fairness, the Progressive Policy Institute put out a study attempting to refute the Economic Policy Institute study. And uh, would you guys like to guess who one of the funders of the Progressive Policy Institute is? Who is one of the founders of PPI? Uh, PPI also takes money from Amazon.com. Oh, wow. (laughs) And of course, they do not disclose these kinds of things when they put out studies saying that Amazon warehouse jobs are a ladder to the middle class or whatever the fuck. Yeah, so when... uh, when basically these warehouses show up in counties where the local workforce has been demolished, probably largely by the the housing crisis. After that's kind of killed off all the rural jobs, you know, uh, uh, the the triple parentheses housing crisis. <laughs> yeah, Sean's words. Uh, Sean doesn't like the Jews. So once that goes up, people are basically forced into getting these like twelve fifty an hour jobs. Because there's nothing else there. Right. And essentially what a a day-to-day work at an Amazon fulfillment center is, which is their term for the warehouses, is you have a little barcode gun and it tells you what product to pick up. You go pick that up. The gun records you picking up that product, moving it from point A to point B, and then it gives you another product in that area and then records the rate of products you move. Uh, A typical employee there will walk about 12 to 15 miles and i would walk 15 (laughs) miles and And this is why amazon's starting amazon gym uh (laughs) it's a very very intricate scientific method where you walk 12 to 15 miles in the span of an eight hour workday, and you lose up to 10 ounces of dignity minimum Right. I, I can honestly see a gym membership for the corporate Amazon employees where they just get to do the job of the warehouse employee. <laughs> and uh, also, uh, in addition to the gun, there's, of course, been a, a 
press stories recently about the new thing they're going to do that uh, tracks the hand motions and will send little vibrations when they're making. Yeah, they're the... they're patenting a wristband, right, basically. Okay. Uh, that yeah, it sends vibrations if you reach for the wrong product, like. <laughs> Gizmodo had a good analogy. It's like a Nintendo 64 rumble pack when you <laughs> click on the wrong item. So you get the power glove? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Originally, they were going to do a cock ring, but they felt that that wasn't gender neutral enough. <laughs> might as well just have it shock them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. God, they're tracking their hand movements. They're tracking their hand movements. Fucking they just patented that. And um, it, it can tell when they flip them off. And... Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's this... The Huffington Post had this fucking depressing article from two years ago which one uh, <laughs> this is one of the many um so since 2013 2013 to 2017 there have been five known deaths in amazon warehouses that are directly attributable to amazon mostly just someone getting run over by a forklift crushing their head uh but well andy maybe the... they should have met production quotas <laughs> if they want it to continue being alive <laughs> The uh, actual number of deaths is probably much higher. Cool. But Amazon has this sort of policy of deflecting every health problem in their warehouse, uh, making it sound like it's not work-related. And What do you mean? Like, what, what do they say? They'll say, like, uh, well, one case I read about was a lady, you know, she's walking all day, and she got, like, little fractures in her feet. And so then, you know, her doctor was like, yeah, these... These are from working on walking on concrete, you know, 12 miles a day. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Amazon then just has a policy of completely denying that that is a workplace related injury. On top of that, they actually have policies where they if in the case of a medical emergency, they say contact security first. Do not call 911. So they have their local security force. provide the emergency response i like how jeff bezos is like patrick stewart in the green room <laughs> yeah yeah you will get, i don't get the reference no oh, he's a neo-nazi club owner oh who, uh, you know they didn't really go to out the side authorities there uh there was another story of a woman who was between 24 and 36 weeks pregnant with twins and she was in labor pain for 20 minutes Jesus. and uh the 9-11 dispatcher asked the Amazon care, basically their, um, you know, uh, clinic or paramedic on, on site paramedic right. to bring her to the front entrance. And the paramedic said that, uh, they couldn't do that because there was only one person there and the paramedic was already tending to someone else. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so it's crazy how they feels like, you know, this big brother oligarch will become, Amazon's like Amazon's going to be like, hey, we're making healthcare and all these other things less for like society's benefit and more so they can just cover up their own incidents. Do you oh, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like we're going to have Amazon hospitals, and it's like, well, it's just hospitals for people that work at Amazon. Well, there are also there are doctors apparently who refuse to work with people at the warehouses because the warehouse management will tell the doctors what to do or what not to do or argue with what the doctors do because certain procedures that the doctors do would mark it down uh, as a workplace injury and that would go into official statistics. So like there was was someone who got like an injury and they were swelling and the doctor was like, okay, well I'm going to give them a steroid injection to lower the swelling because that's, you know, some kind of injection. And Amazon was like, no, don't do that. You can't do that. Wow. And their reasoning was it would then go into their, you know, OHCA. Because they're really focused on metrics at Amazon. Yeah. Well, it's it's about efficiency. It's about numbers. Um, uh, There was a fun uh, report in, I think, 2011 from the Morning Call, a uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania local paper. And they kind of examined one of those uh, Amazon warehouses. And in that case, there was like, uh, they were incredibly hot. They were like 120 degrees inside. And there were like ambulances stationed outside to uh, take uh, people away when they passed out of heat exhaustion. So, of course, eventually Amazon uh, uh, put air conditioners in the facilities. And then they made a big show of how this was like such a humanitarian effort of them. But, of course, for some reason, 
that coincided with them starting to ship perishable goods through uh, Amazon, um, whatever their grocery service is. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of funny how it's like they're so data driven and they just don't give a shit about their employees that it's like they they would rather keep their fucking products cool than their employees from passing out. Well, a lot like a lot is made about Amazon's attempt, like research into automation or something mm-hmm. like oh, that. Yeah, and yeah. like to a certain extent, it's yeah. I mean, there there are robots at the workshops at the sorry at the warehouses, right? And they mainly just bring shelves to the employees, the the pickers, to make them work faster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the shelf will just come at you, and you'll have to pick like three or four items from it, and then another one comes. And the advantage is that right. uh, robots don't complain to the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, like, what but, if- but the only, I mean, the like the much larger story about why Amazon is so successful beyond automation is just like just regular bread and butter exploitation of yeah. humans. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, um, it's very. Pr- it's more of a. It's a much more primitive operation than yeah. people I think give yeah. it credit for. Right. Oh yeah, right. people are just basically work to the bone. Apparently, uh, Amazon also largely relies on. Uh, temporary employment uh, programs. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, if you read any like, article like about... Co- like contract work? Yeah, like contract yeah. work. Just uh, temp agencies. If you read any article about like Amazon warehouse employees, you'll see the names of several different temp agencies. One that pops up a lot is called Integrity. And uh, essentially what they'll do is like during the holiday season, you know, they'll have the holiday rush and Integrity will lure employees in by saying like, you know, if you work hard, you, you know, make a good impression you can get to work for amazon proper Mm -hmm. and so they'll bring people in during the uh, holidays and then they'll just kind of like fire them by voicemail or lay them off by voicemail once the rush is over yeah or some people they'll have badges you know to get into the amazon facilities and they'll just come in one day and find out that their badge no longer (laughs) works on the door what and that's how they get told that they're no longer working at the warehouse That's fucking crazy. They're not yeah. even fucking told, like, hey, you're well, fired? Mean, what? Yeah, yeah, it's one of, like, even more than automation, like, one of the big innovations is just the cybernetic array that basically runs their hiring, like, an app that tells you when to fire and when to hire people. Yeah, yeah. And, just, when to, and they can forecast the when you need to like, do that. The app is like, breast cancer, yeah. terminate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if they're being honest, I mean, that might be, you know. <laughs> that's a lot of, um, yeah. That one correlate that they would investigate. Well, and then another thing, just to build on the uh, kind of incentives they lure people in with, there's an Atlantic article that talks about how uh, for warehouse employees, Amazon uh, offers them the fact that they will get vested stop stock options after two years but of course the vast majority of warehouse employees are laid off or just quit from exhaustion and burnout before the two-year mark so they you know like sometimes people talk about you know they they uh, don't like this high turnover rate but there's a lot of actually positive incentives where a high turnover rate outweighs the um, costs of right. it because, you know, A, you don't have to give them these uh, benefits like stock options, but B, uh, just in the kind of talk of unionizing uh, Amazon warehouses, it's much more difficult to form a union when, like, workers are uh, leaving constantly and they're not forming the social bonds that might, you know, allow a union to form and these kinds of things. Right, they're putting the stocks like a carrot on the stick and then just hoping that the horse dies before they get the carrot. Mm-hmm. Yep. One thing I wanted to mention quickly about uh, that hour-long interview between his brother and him, they mentioned at the beginning of it, like, oh, the people in this room listening to us live are, like, friends and family. And so it's like, you know, it's like an informative thing on Jeff Bezos' life done by his brother to his friends and family. Like, it's like (laughs) the most... Hey, we all fucking know this shit group. You know what I mean? Like right, right. he says friends and family and it like pans to the audience and you see like Jeffrey Epstein with like <laughs> two 13-year-old girls there. Brian Singer with two 13-year-old boys. And we're going to fly to the island after this. <laughs> right. And really right. have some pizza. They're 13, but they are qualified massage therapists. <laughs> uh, <laughs> our new uh, warehouse employees, <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein's victims. Um, but yeah, I mean, they like don't, they don't hire children; they hire people in their twenties and thirties because they're more resilient. And uh, once they use their usefulness, some of them collapse and die. There's this really depressing Huffington Post article on this guy Jeff, who was like lost a job at a housing supply store during the housing crash, had a bunch of debt from DeVry University, goes to work at an Amazon uh, at warehouse as kind of his last 
uh, just basically his only option. And so he's walking, you know, the, the 12, 15 miles a day. And just out of nowhere, one day he collapses. Turns out it's like a heart problem that's basically been known to kill young athletes. Like it's something, what? It, it, it'll appear oh. in like young people. And it's, it's this sort of where if you're put under a strenuous condition, you have this heart condition, uh, it can kill you. And it killed this guy. And he was working for Integrity, the temp agency. And essentially his widow, who had his kid, asked Amazon, like, well, can you help us? And Amazon's like, well, we, you know, we feel a lot of sympathy for you. And um, you, we just feel so much sympathy. But didn't offer them any like we don't, didn't offer her any financial we don't, assistance we don't really feel what you would call financial sympathy yeah <laughs> we more feel verbal sympathy <laughs> for you eventually the only money she got was money from other em- warehouse employees who basically bundled money for her to give to her jesus christ and wow, the so article basically supported this lady more than the fucking corporation oh yeah yeah is. totally <laughs> holy than the and richest the, man. The article Earth. ends with her getting evicted from her house, and apparently at this particular warehouse, uh, where was this? It was the Chester Warehouse. I think it was in Pennsylvania. Mm. Uh, it says it had been open for f- four months at the time of this guy. Je- ironically, his name is Jeff. At the time of Jeff's de- death, it had been open for four months, and the local fire and EMS department had dispatched personnel to its address thirty-four times during that period. And in its first two and a half years of operation, more than 180 calls were placed to 911, many of them patients in their 20s and 30s. And the most common issues cited were difficulty breathing, chest pains, cardiac problems, spells of unconsciousness, uh, or other undefined illnesses. And the frequency of calls tended to All of which are a fireable offense. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, no, I mean, like, it's just kind of horrific going through Amazon's labor practices, and we're already, you know, running late on time, but I do want to get to a couple other things. Uh, Andy, I know you did a bit of research on this 2014 Supreme Court case, where essentially Amazon makes warehouse employees go through security checks to make sure they're not stealing things. These can take sometimes half an hour to an hour, and these employees are not paid for these mandatory security checks, which will, they will be fired if they don't go through. Um, <laughs> and they sued, and the Supreme Court said, no, Amazon can just do that. Yeah, they uh, so they filed a, a class action lawsuit that made it all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled unanimously that the temp agency that ran them through these security tests or checks was not required to pay them for the 20 to 30 minutes. What? That includes Sonia Sotomayor and the notorious RBG. I just, I just had the the mental image of like uh, a, a dead worker from Amazon uh, being covered with like a notorious RBG towel from the beach. <laughs> they got their dead worker, and they've got to like get them out of the factory, or like in the EMS arrives, and they're like, wait, 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 first, run them through the X-ray. We want to make sure he didn't pocket any thumb drives. Called integrity. Yeah, it's part of like a scam with the morgue, where they like get (laughs) Amazon employees who are on the brink of death to like uh, steal little trinkets, and then they extract them at the morgue site. Like, oh, we get so many thumb drives. (laughs) You have no fucking idea. We're gonna compete against Bezos by undercutting his prices. All of us have nine fingers, but so many thumb drives. So the the Supreme Court's ruling uh, is kind of incredible. Uh, it was most of the decision was written by uh, Clarence Thomas, but Sonia Sotomayor had the, basically it rested on the idea that employees only need to be paid for something that is necessary for production, and because getting screened was not necessary for the, their production, they don't have to get paid for it. And Sonia Sotomayor says, employees could skip the screenings altogether without the safety or effectiveness of their principal activities being substantially impaired. Yeah, principal activities like paying rent or having a job. <laughs> yeah. So what she's not saying is that the employees in this case don't have a choice. It's being forced on them by their employers. But the entire Supreme Court ruling, if you read it, 
the way that they phrase it makes it sound like it's entirely it's the optional. choice. Yeah, it's optional. Nope, nope, nope. That it's just something they can choose to do. But well, it's it's the whole thing where people say, you know, Amazon warehouse employees are like voluntary. They enter in a voluntary transaction. But what you look at, like with all these different studies and articles, is that these Amazon warehouses uh, open in economically depressed areas where it's like there's no choice but to work at Amazon. So that's why they're able to kind of grind through all these workers is because they have such a pool of precarious workers who have, you know, Amazon or nothing or Amazon or the gas station, right. you know. Yeah. So it's like. There's there's only so much choice when you need to provide health care for your children or pay your rent or whatever else. And uh, another thing I did want to talk about. Uh, oh, also real quickly, uh, just to return to injuries in the Seattle Times article, uh, they interviewed some managers who talked about how Amazon would have meetings on how they could get rid of people who were hurt. <laughs> just straight up. <laughs> Literally totally normal. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of Bezos being like, so, okay, well, I guess we can't shoot them, but... <laughs> <laughs> they would also tell doctors to put bandages on instead of stitches so that it wouldn't get reported. I just like that there's a company called Integrity that hires people yeah. to work yes. at a place right. called a fulfillment oh, center. That's so fucking terrible. <laughs> it's all Orwellian, man. So do we want to talk about the uh, greatest story about Amazon contract? Oh, yeah, you did tease that, so we should tell the, the Germany story. So uh, the best... So we, we yeah we teased a little bit about how one of Amazon's biggest hits with Prime was Man in the High Castle, um, which is a show about modern day Nazis. Uh, Andy has watched every episode with commentary. Honestly, that is the reason I got Amazon Prime was <laughs> to watch the whole series without having to rely on Sean's account. So, uh, but in uh, February 2013, it came out that in a warehouse in Germany. They hired a company called Hess Security. Hess. Uh, yeah, which was yeah. a reference, apparently the name is a reference to Rudolf Hess, uh, one of Hitler's deputies. He was the commandant of Auschwitz, wasn't he? Or is that a different Hess? I think that was Hess. Like, Hess. There's yeah, yeah, one yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, I get them mixed up too. <laughs> it's, uh, there's, yeah, there's the commandant of Auschwitz, and then there was another one who uh, tried to take a plane and fly it to England. Stay tuned for our Nazi podcast coming yeah. up after this. And so... This this security Coming basically up, I thought this was it. the contractors who ran the warehouse then hired neo Nazi security officials to intimidate uh, immigrants who were working at the warehouse. What? Yeah, and these like they would show they did this documentary these Nazi these neo Nazi security officials and they, they <laughs> the people in the security company had well known neo Nazi connections. They would also wear these uh, this clothing line that's manufactured in Berlin. And is so associated with uh, far right, right neo Nazism. Right. Hugo Boss. That <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's so associated. I think what is it called? Oh, um, Abercrombie. It's Fitch. called it's called Thor Steinar. Thor and it's, Steinar. It was uh, Amazon stopped selling the clothing because of its neo Nazi affiliations in two thousand nine, and so they. Um, Basically, this I just I can't believe anything like that would happen at the Amazon Treblinka Fulfillment Center. <laughs> <laughs> these people would like break into these immigrants like uh, housing Christ. and just to intimidate them. Like they told one woman for really? complaining that, yeah, she had to leave, um, that she was basically evicted from her housing. You must leave now. Yes. And they shined uh, s- headlights into her room while she was packing just to intimidate her while they evicted her from they needed her, her to leave that bad. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as as soon as the story broke, uh, Amazon said we didn't hire them. What? Uh, it was a it was the contractor who hired them. Mm. And then a story came right after that that said Amazon fired the Nazi God. security company. <laughs> so they didn't hire them, but they did have the power to fire right, them as right. soon as that story yeah. broke. It, wasn't there also some story about like how they were selling merch, basically Nazi merch on Amazon? Yeah. And people were like, hey, cut that shit out. And they're like, listen, we sell a lot of shirts from a lot yeah. of people. It was just kind of funny because like it was discovered by like a, a Czech group, a group in the Czech Republic, that they were selling shirts that said, I love Reinhard Heydrich. And uh, Reinhard Heydrich was, of course, the Nazi who was the governor of, at that time, Czechoslovakia. Oh, wow. And he was known as the hangman of Prague for uh, atrocities committed against the Czech people. 
but yeah, they were selling neo-Nazi merch for a bit. That's like that made me think that like that's why they created the the Man in the High Castle show, so yeah. that when you would Google Amazon Nazi, that these results of real fucked up shit they did would come up third and fourth instead <laughs> yeah. of first and yeah, second. It, it is the fourth great, Google result. Yeah. yeah, what's great is that literally like when I was doing some research for this because I I was like, oh, I need to access that one story. Well, to be fair, so Andy typed, does Google companies and the word Nazi after it quite often, and it's uh, it's so he knows surprisingly which... good, surprisingly informed research. <laughs> So Option. he does that so he knows which businesses to support. <laughs> <laughs> so if you Google Amazon Nazi, try this on your own. Uh-huh. The first four options are for Man in the High Castle. And then the next one is this story about the Nazis. The literal Nazis in Germany that worked for Amazon they're, to they're, intimidate their immigrant employees. They just uh, they just greenlit a show about like union crushing. <laughs> <laughs> um, teach, teach the controversy. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, I, I know we're kind of running long, but uh, can we talk a little bit about uh, Amazon union crushing? Because uh, there was an incident, I think, 2001, where they file, fired 800-some uh, Seattle employees for trying to unionize and then of course said it wasn't for trying to unionize because of course it is illegal to fire people for trying to unionize but it still happens all the time uh, yeah and uh they they did the, the there was a 2000 firing and then in 2014 uh some people tried to unionize uh it was just like 30 people in a warehouse they tried to get the international association of uh, machinists and aerospace workers to support their union and they had a vote and the vote lost 21 to 6, which Amazon then did a press release saying, like, see, they would rather work directly with Amazon. And what they didn't mention was that, like, as soon as that vote came up, Amazon bought a law firm that specializes in fighting off organized labor. What? Hell really? Yeah. yeah. And then they... They bought a gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then they, like, uh, intimidated, like, aggressively intimidated uh, this small group of, like, machinists in this one warehouse. And it was, there were thousands of people working in the warehouse. It was just a subset of those mm-hmm. people. Aggressively intimidated them. And they also, uh, apparently, they would have, the company would give managers anti-union material to hand out. And they would warn them how to spot union organizing by being on the lookout for hushed conversations. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What if they just want to say racial slurs? <laughs> But yeah, no, I love this idea. So like um, another thing when we were researching the jobs, Amazon has made a promise that they're going to create 100,000 American jobs uh, this year. Uh, And of course, uh, CNN and other outlets just dutifully report this press release without any critical examination of how much those jobs will pay uh, and and these kinds of things. But I do like the idea that Amazon is creating new American jobs for the Pinkertons. (laughs) They're bringing back anti-labor private militias. Um but yeah, uh, I guess uh, another fun story is uh, Amazon was sued by the Humane Society for having dog fighting videos and selling cock fighting magazines, such as, I just love the name of this. There are two cock fighting magazines called The Game Cock and The Feathered Warrior. <laughs> uh, I guess there was like also a guide to pedophilia. I mean, like, as far as like my complaints with Amazon as a proud... I'd like to imagine the one guy who ordered like the game cock and then was horrified that it was a magazine right right it was like, it was like a badminton fan right 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 oh yeah he's a badminton yeah fan. he's a really big badminton fan i was gonna fan. say he was looking for porn but yeah <laughs> no i like to think he was wanting more information <laughs> oh, on shuttlecock shuttlecock yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the game cock he was like this isn't a pickup artist book <laughs> um so i I think we're, we're winding, winding down, down yeah, and yeah. Um, I think that uh, one thing I'd like to introduce is uh, uh, we'd like to judge these billionaires on a certain scale. Uh, my scale today will be uh, free shipping, two-day shipping, <laughs> four- to six-day shipping, and lastly, uh, your package was lost. There's an internal investigation <laughs> present, and uh, I think uh, Bezos certainly hits the your package was lost. There's internal investigation pressing because uh, his roots are in pain. And he certainly contributes to said pain. And let's be honest, I mean, sure, when I come, I yell Bezos. But that's not really here or there. That's just my American spirit. You respect the entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, gonna, I don't hate the player. I hate the game. I'm going to say he's about where uh, my uh, package of cat food is, uh, which is at... Deeply embedded within the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> yeah, deeply embedded. Uh, set for delivery December 17th, if you check the status. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm uh, very excited for the delivery on September 17th, or December 17th. 
2018. The wet cat food. Mm-hmm. 2017. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Of course, Amazon Go recently opened a store in Seattle in January 2018, which has no uh, cashiers. You just go in, scan your smartphone, and it charges you on the way out. So, uh, more creative destruction going on. They'll be destroying a lot of great jobs. Um, but I guess I would just say, uh, for anyone interested, we, there's so much on just labor abuses of Jeff Bezos. There's not a lot of his personal life. He's done a good job hiding that. But, uh, you know, whatever you think of his genius in founding Amazon, he has uh, formed a company uh, at many levels, including now at Whole Foods, based around horrific labor abuse about stifling unionization and preventing people from being able to obtain a living wage. And I would encourage anyone interested to check out uh, FACE. It's an organization uh, It stands for Former and Current Employees of Amazon. Uh, We'll link to it. And this collects a lot of different uh, stories of different abuses that have occurred in Amazon warehouses and different Amazon employment situations. And they also make attempts to uh, unionize Amazon workers. So hopefully that will happen. And, you know, hopefully we'll eventually have a government that will make unionization mandatory in companies like this. So that would be at least the least they can do. And uh, I guess just one other thing I want to mention, because people will sometimes say he's such a huge philanthropist. Uh, him and his wife donated $33 million to uh, give scholarships for dreamers, you know, uh, undocumented children, or p- uh, children who were brought to the U.S. undocumented. Uh, $33 million donation for these scholarships would be about equivalent of $110 on a 40000 net worth. Um, so, you know, whenever people say if he's... If you have a $40,000 net worth... You would be giving $110. You would be giving $110. Which is not nothing, but people act like he's such a big philanthropist, and it's and like, like, no, he's have, worth $120 you billion. $40,000 in the bank. Exactly. Yeah. There are plenty not, of people not with... Not you make $40,000. No, no, no. You have $40,000 in the oh, bank. Really? You are giving $110. And there are plenty of people yeah. who have zero net worth who still yeah. give $100 or $150. Of yeah, course. Negative net worth. Yeah. Yes. Or negative. Of loans. <laughs> So, uh, long and short, he's a shitty philanthropist, a shitty human being with a terrible labor record, and uh, all of his assets should be seized, and, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders 2020. (laughs) Now, I know what you guys are thinking at this point. Corbin 2022. (laughs) Corbin 2022. But now, how all this stuff about billionaires is fun, but how can we play some games? Games, you say? Games. Are we doing zero drops today, Andy? I I, I sent yeah, you. Yeah, Andy nine was drops, asleep at the switch. And uh, fucking, we use zero of I them. I was I was talking about the I was talking about the sweaty people. Okay, collapsing we, from we the had, death. We had fifty minutes of sweaty people material. I graciously cut up six drops, and you choose to use zero of them. I used one that I pressed you for. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't get it to load on my keyboard. Oh well, that's my fault. Stay tuned. You couldn't do that? You couldn't do it? <laughs> I was very engaged with this material. That's all right. I understand. Stay tuned. Disappointing uh, for me. But next week for another billionaire and drops this time. <laughs> <laughs> no, so do you, you guys want to... You want everything that's gone wrong in this I think we're already over, so I think we should probably just save that okay. one. Okay. Let's get fans before we do that. I, yeah. I, Liz, I agree with you, but I'm sorry to have yelled at you about the drops. I think yeah, we're going to cut the drop I, stuff, okay. but... Uh, we might keep it in. We're not going to keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Mr. Boo Boo, would you consider yourself a revolutionary? Well, no, but I do believe corporations rob us of our dignity and independence, and that these systems must be ripped down, burnt down, or leveled by any force necessary. <gasps> but that's just one little bear's opinion. A cute, fuzzy little bear. Defense rests? <laughs>